Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast, Christmas edition. I'm your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Medeca. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. It's not Christmas yet. Yeah, but by the time they hear this, it it'll be, be the day be after, after, and everyone's playing with their toys, and I don't know. Do people who listen to this podcast get toys still, do you think? Potentially. I don't know. Well, maybe we got some 15-year-olds that are sitting under that learning tree of ours, and they're finally are formatting. They're in their formative years, Mike, where they're learning about Detroit sports and professional wrestling. From two of the very best in the business. Think about that. We are shaping and molding young minds for years to come, Mike. Years to come. Okay. So I'll... your unwavering support of J.J. McCarthy and me being wrong, the people are like, see, that Mike guy. Right? What if they were on your, like, uh, yeah, you're yeah. Right. yeah, you're right. My you're unwavering right. support of Matthew Stafford finally proving that he's able to get it done this past year. All works out, man. All, it works, all works out. out. The Lions I'm really hoping this... are playing meaningful football for the first time in show history. <laughs> Michigan football playing for meaningful football games for only the second time in, in school so, history er, in, in show, show history. No. I mean, the Wings might make the playoffs in first time in show history. There's a lot of stuff happening in the, the year. Lions 2022. Might make the, playoffs. the Lions <laughs> might make the playoffs. Two, 2022 and 2023 might be some big years for this show. Yeah, or it's going to be really sad years. Yeah, or it's going to be a lot of hope like even by more immediate sad decimation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But until then, we So here we are. But obviously, Mike, we got the final four we got to talk about for the college football playoffs. It's happening next weekend. Um, and then we're going to do kind of a best of. We're going to do our MVPs. We're going to do some of the biggest moments of the 2022 year as we kind of wrap things up. Um well, Mike, let's start with the non-Michigan matchup. Let's start with the 1-4, the late game, which I think is always kind of weird to me that the 1-4 matchup is the late gun this year. Yeah, I totally... Does it switch? So, yeah, so I totally messed this up yeah. uh, when we were talking about it a couple weeks ago. How dare you? Um, because I definitely just assumed that the West Coast game would yeah. be the second game. Yeah. It's not. Um, <laughs> I actually... Now, so I went back. So I was texting Kyle, like, after I came off the show. Yeah. And because I thought the Michigan game was the second game. I was really yeah. excited. And he was like, no, it's the first game. I was yeah. like... So I thought it switched every year. It doesn't switch every year. So I think... But last the, year, we weren't the four seed, were we? No. So we, here, were let me two, pull we were the two, three. So let me... As, as we talk, I'm going to pull this up. I'll pull up the history because there's like four years in a row yeah. where the 1-4, I think, was the second game. Yeah. So they don't switch every year. But last year it was because Bama beat Cincy, and that was the 1-4 matchup Yeah, last but year. the year before that. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State and Clemson was the 2-3, and that was the night game. That was a t- I don't know. I'm all confused. And then like the year before that, the 2-3 was also the night game. Okay. And I was like. But now huh. this year, the 2 3 game. Because like, Clemson, Ohio State went back to back years as the right. night game right. as 2 3. Those threes. were great games, yeah. And so, like, the 2 3 was always been the night game, and now the 2 3 is the Because that makes sense. More. Because you're assuming, okay, the 1's going to take care yeah. of the 4, and then the 2 3 are the two teams so, that are closer so, in. So, what I ended up realizing is I think they, the, the committee looks at it, or whoever decides what game's going to be played <laughs> with, is which one might be more competitive. Yeah. Put that one last. Yeah, I agree. Or which one people will probably get Projected more viewership, to. Yes. more viewership for. Right. Like no offense, Michigan TCU, but TCU kind of weighs that matchup down more than Georgia. You mean Ohio Texas State. Christian University is not a hot team to watch? What? No. You mean the University of Cincinnati is not a fun team to watch? Yeah. So no, that's that's actually how I think they do it. But yeah. you mean the University of Washington was not a fun team to watch? No, they, that's why they were all the four o'clock games. <laughs> As everyone you mean Michigan State versus Alabama? Wait, that wasn't was, that was be the 8 o'clock game. Was it actually? I think so. That's uh, because everyone thought the defense was going to be able to stop them, and then that yeah. was an absolute embarrassment. Anyway, well, we're back. Both games were terrible that year. That's so. true. Okay, um, but let's talk, though, Ohio State-Georgia, right? Ohio State yeah. backing in off of moral victory, I guess, over Penn State. I don't know. Sure, let's go that route because that's the only game that they did anything worth noteworthy. But that's fine. Um and then you got Georgia, who basically has been stopped all year. So the defending national and champion. Missouri slowed them down. Missouri did slow them down, right? Even, you know, sure. Is that, <laughs> do you think they hang a banger in Missouri? They're just like, Probably. like almost kind of beat Georgia one 27, time. 27-23, anybody? Yeah, right, exactly. We almost did it. Um, Buckeyes going in, giving up, what, seven? Six and a half. Six and a half points right now to the Bulldogs. Obviously. Flip that. Georgia's giving up six and Sorry. a half. Sorry. I, yep, I, I don't know. Ohio State's I don't know, ga- I don't know gambling Ohio State gets six and a yeah. half points. Um, so Georgia's favored by a little under than a, a, little under than a touchdown. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at this game. Obviously, Georgia's going to be the favorite. I, you know, based on the time slot like we just talked about, and in addition to, I, I don't necessarily think this is just a walk away for Georgia. Um 
I do think there is a scenario where if Ohio State and, and, and tell me if you think I'm just completely just overvaluing OSU. And I don't think Ohio State's a great football team. Let me be very clear here. I think this year in college football, you can't look at any one of these teams and go, that team beats an LSU team from a couple of years ago. You don't look at this team and you go, that team beats the Georgia team of last year. It's not happening. But this Ohio State team is very incomplete. They don't run the ball all that great. They're banged up at running back. Their defense is not. Everything they thought that, you know, they they were, right? They're this tough defensive front, you know. No, that's clearly not the case here. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the, in the sense of if, if Ohio State gets going early and they, they put up a touchdown or they get up 10, right, and Georgia maybe comes out of the, the, the blocks a little slow offensively, I could see how Georgia immediately gets into this and thinks, oh, crap, we're in a real big dogfight here. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, no matter what you want to say about the play calling – in the lack of big moments from like a CJ Stroud and Ryan day combination, they had the ability to put up points and put up points very, very quickly. They're the best wide receiver in football. So there are moments here where if I am, if I'm Georgia, I am having to go in there and I would almost rather take the ball first and take seven and a half minutes off the clock and impose your will and break Ohio state. Mm -hmm. That's how I'm looking at this game is that if Georgia gets in scores early and just mauls them in the trenches, then Ohio State, I think, is dead. But if Ohio State gets running and this becomes a track meet, look out. Yeah, I, I actually relatively agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think Ohio State's is very good. And they have nothing to lose. That's yeah, so and I think that's the scary part about yeah. Ohio State is yep. the idea of not having anything to lose. They can really just throw the ball around. Everything. They can, do, they can pull everything out of their butt because, like, Georgia is the team – that has all the pressure on them, yep. and so is Michigan. We'll talk about is yes. they're the team, they're the two teams because they're the favorite. They're expected. They're to the go undefeated win. teams that are expected to win, so they have to play perfect yes. and make sure everything. Like even like when Michigan played like Purdue in the yeah. Big Ten championship game, it was even if you somehow lost this game, you're in the Final Four. Right. Like there's no worry. Right. Like there's no this real isn't, pressure. This here. isn't the game that we're worried about to like make or break the Final Four. It was the Ohio State game. Right. And Ohio State was going into that game, the tense one, the I can't make a mistake here because right. like, we're, at home. we're at home. We may not get in now. Yeah, right. like this is everything. Like they built this game up as we can't make the Final Four unless we win this game. Right. So everyone has to play perfect. Michigan's like, listen, we're ten and a half point underdogs. Right. We just go in, do our best, and see what happens. Right. And they win and win. Um, going into this game, though, like you said, I think Ohio State with the free spirit of just like, listen, CJ Stroud, if you throw three picks and we lose, we it did everything. Like, it is what yeah. it is because this defense is awesome. But we're going to air the ball out. We're going to throw the ball to Marvin Jones every single play. Yeah. And we are going Marvin to Harrison. Op- Marvin Harrison, sorry. <laughs> uh, Marvin Harrison. And we are going to just open up this field yeah. um, and see what happens. So I think. As everyone would probably think that Georgia is just going to win by like forty. Yeah, I I don't I don't, I don't see, see that. that. I don't either. I do think Ohio State at least in the first half, like Michigan, will keep it competitive. Yeah, I do think there is a chance that Georgia could pull out and start really beating yeah. them down mm-hmm. in like the mid third, like fourth qu- fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. But up until that point, I do think they could be in a slugfest for a while with this team. Yeah, I do think the one thing that really hurt Ohio State. Is and I think the committee was really hoping that he was going to play yeah. and decide not to with Jackson Smith and Jibba. Yeah, because yeah, if he was out. if yeah. he was here, that changes the dynamic. The whole tune is different. Yes, because I just, do think yep. with him and Marvin Harrison, yep. it is a very scary offense. Right, because no one's guarding both. Well, Jackson Smith and Jibba is going into the going into this season as the number one re- receiver in college football. Yes, I mean he showed. He's going he, into the draft as the, probably, probably the top yes. receiver. Taken. So. All those things considered, right? And he's like, yeah, hard pass. I'm outie, right? And so now you've got Marvin Harris, and you have okay secondary guys for them, mm-hmm. but not nearly the level that Smith and Jigma would be. Um, I'm not saying that Ohio State's going to win. I'm going to take Georgia in this football game yes. pretty much regardless because I kind of have to, de- you know, you again, got to default to the champs at this point. But I, I you know, if Ohio State, if, if Ohio State is within a touchdown, and say they get the ball in the second half and they score, you're a ball game, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. And I will, and I'll give Ohio State this credit. Yeah. Outside of if you went objectively, yeah. the best rosters against Georgia. <laughs> if you take out Michigan, which yeah. I think Michigan's probably one of two teams that have a real legitimate shot at beating Georgia. Mm-hmm. If you went and like, like 
TCU doesn't stand a chance. No. USC doesn't stand a chance. A lot. No. Of, I think Alabama is the only one that has enough star power. Yes. To like with Will Anderson yep. and a healthy Bryce Young, yep. I think they could legitimately right. give Georgia issues. Yep. Ohio State would be three though. Yeah. So like, or tied with Alabama for two. Right. So I I do think that in all, this is probably the right choice to put Ohio State in this spot because at least gives someone a. Georgia a fighting matchup mm-hmm. instead of just going out against like a Cincinnati like last year right. and just kind of going like if USC would have been in this spot because a lot of people were trying to argue the idea of like oh you know they were in the bowl like they had to play their championship game they lost so they're getting penalized for it but realistically I would look at this game against USC being like it'll probably be like an Oklahoma yeah, LSU kind of game because USC can't play defense I think it would have been like a 42 to 7 at halftime type deal and it's yeah. like all right, this game's I am, over. I, I do am, think Ohio State actually will keep. It might be like twenty-seven, seventeen at halftime, right. but at least I'm not like within okay, striking distance. Yeah, though, I'm yeah. not going to turn this TV off. It's more of like I'm going to tune into at least the fourth quarter. I'm very fascinated it. by Ryan Day's game plan going into this game. I think this is a huge game for Ryan Day in kind of his Buckeye. And it's funny to say that, and we talked about this after the Michigan game as well, where we we kind of, I, at least I was very much on the, you know, people are like, oh, we need to get rid of Ryan Day, and I go, he's lost two games in the big 10 his entire head coaching career and they're both just to michigan mm-hmm. right like i understand you're ohio state you're expected to beat michigan i get that but would anybody really be that thrilled if you beat michigan if you're zero and eight in the big 10 mm-hmm. every year the answer is no so all things considered though right the play calling has been a problem for ohio state the last couple of weeks right the last couple of times we've seen them even against maryland they had struggles um, against uh, who was that? Against Penn State, they struggled early. So there's there's been times where Ohio State. The thing that I'm trying to give them credit for is their ability to strike and strike fast. They have not been able to do that against good defenses uh, the last few weeks of the season, including against Michigan. So because of that, I, I think that this is so important for Ryan Day and the Ohio State Buckeyes to get on the board quickly. Whether that means it's a three-play, I mean, they they scored against Michigan the first drive. They went right down the field and scored. Mm-hmm. After that, it was all Michigan basically going forward. the The inability for Ohio State to maintain that pressure, the screen passes, which I thought was overdone, they're imbalanced right now because Travion Henderson is not playing this. I don't think he's playing in this game either, is he? Who is, is Henderson playing in this game? I don't think he is. Is he? As of right now, I've heard he's not. Okay, but. Either way, good. Um, so the fact that they're a little bit imbalanced offensively as well, Stroud is really going to have to make some plays. The issue I do see, though, with that strategy of them just going, hey, screw it, let's chuck the ball down the field, is can they stop the Georgia pass rush? Can they, you know, Georgia's secondary is pretty damn good. Keely Ringo versus Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be one hell of a matchup pretty much all the way through, right? Mm-hmm. Um I am very fascinated by what the game plan is for Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State's going to be able to stop them offensively, um, just because there's going to be able to stop Georgia. Because I don't really think Ohio State's defense is all that good, um, and I think that Georgia's offense is underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think Stetson Bennett gets as much credit as he probably should because he's 55 years old. Yeah, but they're, they're scoring points and they're doing it in a myriad of ways. They got two tight end sets that work really well. They've got explosives. Um, and they run the ball consistently. Yeah, I, yeah, and to that point is yeah. literally the guy who's going to make all the difference, the top five pick for Georgia, Jalen Carter. Yeah, I, I don't think he's a freak of nature. I don't think he's. I don't think Ohio State's going to run the ball. No, not at, at all. all. That's what I'm saying. And, and you're so, going to make him one dimensional. And so that one drop dimension, seven. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think you know rush four with Jalen Carter there. Yeah. Drop seven. It's going to be extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, I do think early on they will be able to move the ball. I yeah. just think Georgia also makes really good mid-game halftime adjustments. Kirby Smart is a very, very good, good coach. football coach. Ryan yes. Day has not shown the propensity yet to make those adjustments. Correct. Uh, if needed. Correct. And so that in terms of both of those, like that's why like first half might be competitive. Mm-hmm. I think coming out of the second half, I think Georgia's going to be like What's weird too is that like uh, you know when we talked about this with the Ohio State Michigan game where like defensively Jim Knowles made no adjustments defensively against mm-hmm. Michigan. Like oh we got beat a couple times in man coverage. You know what we're going to keep doing? Running press man coverage. I was like I don't understand yeah. like, what the like, propensity thing is, is like, to do this. Up until like the deep shot to Cornelius on like the double yeah. move one. Everything up to that, I was like, you know, your press man's working. Like, the one lucky one to Cornelius where yeah. he just spun out and ran right. past everyone. I was like, that's going to happen to man coverage right. once in a while. Like, right. sure. When you're but sending once, the house. Once yeah. you get, like, 
the double move beat, I'm like, you have to change something. Right. Because that's just going to happen over and, and over again. And then they kept blitzing, and then you break a big long run, and you go, that's because you have nobody else back there as a safety valve. You've got safeties four yards off the ball. I go, what did you expect was going to happen? And they never moved out of it yeah. at any point in that yeah, football that, game. that fourth quarter when they were just bringing the house yeah. every time, they just kept running up the middle. It was it's like, one block. Yeah. It's one block, and you're gone, and you're like, okay, well, I guess if you're going to keep doing that. And yeah. Michigan's, like, salivating. And so if I'm Georgia – I'm praying to God that that's what they do. Yeah. You've got a veteran quarterback back there. You got a good offensive line. You run the ball well. You got a dynamic tight end who's probably a top, you know, first or second round pick, At right? Least. So, uh, what the hell are you gonna do? And and that's the other thing too is that matchup wise, Ohio State defense doesn't have that secondary guy or that guy in the back seven where you go, oh, that's that's a that's a guy. Yeah, Keely Ringo is that guy, for right Georgia. for Georgia, right? So that's a top ten pick for them. Ohio State doesn't have that guy. Who, what linebackers matching up with that tight end? It's just not gonna. It's, yeah. it's it's gonna be a rough time for them. So, well, I think if Ohio State gets into a track meet, they've got a good shot. I just don't see them being able to overcome the level of depth that Georgia has, the experience they have in that. So, that's the thing too. Ohio State in big games lately has not been very good. Georgia has come to play. Yeah. Ohio State hasn't. Yeah, Kirby Smart's really good at getting Georgia yeah. in the mindset in a big game yeah. to like, okay, let's lock in and get going. Even the loss to Bama, they went, we're gonna be in no matter what. So really, yeah, this doesn't like, matter. And I yeah. think, I think those situations, like those weird one-off losses, mm-hmm. where it's like, if you're only lost in yeah, years. if you if you make the like when the twelve team happens, yeah. if you see a lot of good teams dropping the last game of the season or something, yeah. it's not one of those like, oh, we gotta freak out about it because it's yeah. like if you know you're pretty much in, yeah. Some of these losses don't really matter, especially right. when the twelve team happens. Right. But like Georgia loot dropping one, like if Georgia, if Georgia somehow drops it to LSU, mm-hmm. it's like okay, Georgia's in. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like like they came to play obviously, but it's like they're in. It doesn't yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I think it's gonna be a hard road for us. You gotta score. Today. Go score for this game. Uh, what's I need something plus seven. <laughs> uh, uh, we're gonna go in the ballpark of like a thirty-four seventeen. Okay, I was gonna. I'll say, say he keeps it close early, and Georgia pulls away, and Ohio State gets stuffed on offense. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna point. say thirty-four twenty-four. I was gonna get okay. just a little yeah, bit closer. Maybe a just, yeah, just, yeah, just because I think maybe they maybe score. a garbage time touchdown might happen, yeah, but like sure. I think like the score will say thirty-four seventeen. I think they cover. Let me put it that yeah, way. Yeah, and I think everyone's like. Okay, so this game's over, and yeah. then like kind of like the Michigan one last year with Georgia, yeah. where it's like the scoreboard says something, yeah. but the final scoreboard yeah. is like hey, it was every like JJ point. person. He's moving the ball. I go, yeah, it's because Georgia sat all their starters. They're yeah. in the stands eating popcorn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, I think it's gonna be one of those situations. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about the other game, the four o'clock game, Michigan TCU. That's a weird way we went with this, huh? Why'd you go back in time? because well, I wanted to save Michigan for oh, the okay. last, you know. But sure. at the same time, you know, it is what it is. It's hard to sell TCU, okay? Even the committee's like, Hey, I'll sell TCU. It. I like TCU. Damn it. Um, no, but the committee's like, no one wants to watch TCU play. Um, <laughs> the funny part is they lost, and there's an easy – like, they could be like, you're out. But, like, they still put them in. So. Yeah, because they were like, oh, wait, everyone else has got two losses. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> if only Alabama, Alabama just didn't lose that second time. Oh, can you just please beat LSU? Yeah. Tennessee, please. Hayden <laughs> <laughs> Hooker, um, you're good for one fight. Right. Um, okay, anyway. Yeah, Texas Christian University, the Horn Frogs <laughs> versus the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, feeling froggy, ladies and gentlemen. Um Two three matchup, Michigan favored by seven and a half, right? As of this recording okay. on the twenty second of December. All right, so a couple days uh, before Christmas, so Michigan clear favorites. They're the only other undefeated team in the country besides Georgia. The back to back Big Ten champions coming off their big wins against both Ohio State and, into a lesser degree, Purdue. Because you know, <laughs> sure. let's be real. Um, I think Illinois is more impressive a win than yeah, good call, the right? Michigan obviously coming in with a lot of momentum, right? TCU coming off a heartbreaking loss. Um, but, you know, they were kind of locked in no matter what anyway, yes. right? We know their quarterback is going to the NFL draft. He's already declared for that for some weird reason. Um, but he's going. So, to me, Mike, th- this at the end of the day comes down to what I think a lot of Michigan games comes down to in the last half of the season. It's going to be J.J. Um, pl- continuing his ascent mm-hmm. into that upper echelon of college quarterbacks, right, where – you know they're going to key on Donovan Edwards, right? I'm hoping Edwards at least have two hands finally by the time this they game actually be. happens, right? Because yeah. he's been playing with one this entire time, which is crazy. Um, I do think it's going to rely a little. I think they're going to sell out, stop the run, right? And then, you know, it's going to be on J.J. to make a couple plays early to kind of break that 
you know, that wall. And then as we've kind of seen the momentum for Michigan is in that second half, we just keep grinding, keep grinding. At one point or another, you're going to break, mm-hmm. and that's just what's going to happen, right? You've got the best offensive line in college football. You've got a dynamic playmaker in Donovan Edwards coming in, and even Stokes to a certain extent, and that linebacker converted to running back for three weeks. You know, you've got some running backs available, right? Your receiving depth is pretty damn good, in my opinion. Uh, your your tight end depth is ridiculous, even with Eric all transferring, which, loser. Um, all things considered, though, you know, give me your thoughts on, on what Michigan has to do against TCU, and then we'll obviously flip it to the TCU side. Yeah. But, I mean, give me your thoughts on this matchup for Michigan. Um, do you see it how I see it? Because right now, I, I think right now it's it's – on the arm of J.J. McCarthy is how far we go at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think J.J. McCarthy, it's going to come down to, like, four or five plays. Yeah. That if he – literally, like, the Ohio State game where if he would have missed the yeah. deep post route or if he would have missed right. some of the tight end throws, mm-hmm. you're talking about a whole different game. But yep. because he made those throws, yep. I think it will come down to probably, like, four or five throws where it's if you convert – three or four of the five mm-hmm. you're in good probably shape. in good shape if you only get one of the five it's probably going to be a, a lot closer and a lot rougher of a day for you mm-hmm. um but yeah i i i think the defense is going to attack tcu pretty hard i think the offense is just going to control and maintain like they always do i don't expect this game to be very interesting no i don't i, th- I think like, michigan's just gonna be like if we can win 17 to 10 we were well, totally we'll yeah we'll we take it any day a thousand percent um and i think i think like georgia and ohio state is definitely the more explosive explosive dynamic yes. day game because yes. ohio state has that now i get under credit to tcu yeah they are very explosive too. they are they are and that's the thing for the tcu side i'm the most worried about yes. is max duggan has this thing in him that jj mccarthy has yeah where it's like he wills his team yeah great leader Great leader. He's yep. just like like it is a guy that you'd want to play for, and like you even saw it in the Kansas State game. But I can think of like four examples through mm-hmm. the year yeah. where they're losing by like seven, ten, whatever, yeah. and Max Duggan's like, all right, whatever it takes. Right. He's literally the epitome of like whatever it takes for me to win. I'll run. I'll dive at the goal line. Mm-hmm. I'll throw a fifty yard shot while getting nailed by three guys. Doesn't matter. Whatever yeah. it takes. And that's a guy who's really scary to play in a final. I think this whole team is scary to play against because, once again, TCU coming off a loss, right? Everyone's saying they're clearly the fourth best team, right? Everyone's been talking that the entire time. No one's really giving them a chance. So if you're TCU, that's just fuel, right? That's just like whatever. We're going to go shock the world, right? We're going to go to the national title game. Michigan has all the pressure here, which I hate because I don't love Michigan in these types of games usually. Um, you know, I, I think you're a thousand percent spot on when it comes to TCU's offense and Max Duggan really kind of being the guy for them. I think the big key for Michigan is going to be stopping his running ability, mm-hmm. is keeping him in the pocket and forcing him to make throws within yeah. the pocket. Allow your secondary to do what they've been doing, play your zone coverage, have Will Johnson and DJ Turner be the badass corners that they are, and allow your relatively deep defensive line to get home right mm-hmm. i think that's so important here is i don't want to see max duggan rolling out and throwing a dart 20 yards across his body i don't want to see max duggan stepping up into the pocket on third and six and sliding for a first down right because we we didn't maintain our rush lanes mm-hmm. um i think that is the number one thing michigan's gonna have to, i mean obviously every football coach in america is like well no shit you have to stop the run right that's that's priority number one no duh but i think in this particular scenario if Max Duggan starts feeling himself early, Michigan's really going to have to – is going to really be like, all right, we got to strap in, and we got to strap in for a game. thousand percent. And it's uh, Quentin Johnson, the yeah. TCU star receiver, mm-hmm. 6'4", junior. Um, he's an absolute animal. Yes. He is, yeah. He's the guy that Will Johnson will be sitting on the whole game pretty yeah. much and going, all right, I lo- we got. I, you know the thing I love about Michigan's defense, not only is it because you're just basically running Baltimore's defense, which is nice, um, is the, the ability to adjust, right? Mm-hmm. And I've – I want to give a lot of credit to Jesse Minter and Jim Harbaugh because, you know, when they brought him in, I was like, man, from Vanderbilt, this is not the sterling hire that you're hoping for. However, with that being said, the ability to not lose on the same play twice, right? Okay, you got us on an out route. Okay, you're never getting this out route again now, right? You better figure out something else to figure. And their second half adjustments, that's the thing that I think I'm more interested in anything is this first half I expect to be somewhat close, not crazy, but this is still a very good TCU team. The second half, 
the third quarter especially for Michigan. What do they do? What does TCU do to combat that? Because you know that's what they're planning for. We have to – it's almost like you have to come in with two separate game plans, a first-half game plan and then a second-half game plan because Michigan has done such a phenomenal job adjusting in the second – they're the best second-half team in college football. Mm-hmm. That's not a – that's not a – bombastic statement they come out in the third fourth quarter and they beat the shit out of people that's what they do um i i just don't i i think the the skill level the talent level everything is in michigan's favor right now yes they're the favorites yes the pressure's on them but this team really feels like after last year they left some stuff on the table i just it would be a really big bummer for them not to come out Mm-hmm. with the win here i just i think that they ha- i think it's almost a must win they have to i would i would agree with there. you i will say though if the headline came out on january 1st yeah. and it was final four team gets upset yeah i think it's tcu michigan. Yeah. and michigan is much more likely to oh, be upset yes. than the ohio state georgia one yeah. like i could definitely see a road where tcu's down six gets yeah. the ball and max duggan does this thing yeah. and scores on last play of the game and wins the game yeah. over ohio state going into dog fest with georgia and winning basically in georgia's backyard in georgia it, it's at basically right. georgia it's right. in the in um whatever stadium yeah the right. atlanta falcon stadium mm-hmm. whatever it is. right um so yeah so i am yeah i'm not worried Let's not put worried out into the zone because I think well, I, I think Michigan fans right now are going in and assuming we're already going to the national title game. Yes, and I think that is that's something not, that you don't want. Right. To that's not, and I and I don't think that's happening in Michigan's and I don't think it's happening in that locker room. I don't think so either. I think Jim Harbaugh is very much like they have the goal of winning a national title. I think you, they I, know they have to beat. I, I think the good thing about last year was yeah. you went and you got kicked in the face. Yep. And you were like, listen, we're not, all four of these teams are good. Are good. Yeah. Like you can't go. Okay, they're the worst of the four. Yeah. But if you're like, if you went to the NFL and you went, okay, Chiefs, Bills, yeah. Bengals, Eagles. Okay, right. one of them is the worst of the four. Right. You don't want to play any of them. Right. Like you're gonna all, have to beat good teams. You, to beat you the have best. to. Yeah. You have yeah. to. You have to beat good teams to win. Right. And so, like, even though TCU might be the worst of the four, yeah. they were 12 and 0 in the regular season and lost yeah. in overtime. They're the fourth best team in the country, at least. Right. Right. For a reason. Right. So you can't take them lightly. No, absolutely not. And I don't think that's what's going to happen here. I don't like I said, I am and I'm gonna have to tell myself this, I think, a lot through the actual game where this is not gonna be a sexy game in my opinion. I don't think Michigan comes out and just No, you're the thing is JJ with an early interception and everyone's gonna flip out and just be like We'll be fine. Yeah. Can't happen in that game. Can't happen in that situation. I can already see the tweets now yeah. coming. But I agree with you. I don't think this is going to be a sexy game for Michigan. I think it's going to be a kind of a dogfight, and I think it's going to wind up being who can, who's the more physical team. Thankfully, most of the time that is Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. You do have the best offensive line in football. You do things that, um, that are clear and above, right? That other teams don't. You run the ball very, very well. You have now shown the ability for explosive plays in your pass game. Your defense has shown the ability to get home with no-name people, really. Like, you're going to hear about these guys. Like, Mike Morris hasn't played in two weeks, really. He didn't really play against Purdue. They're getting home. They're getting pressure. And the secondary is locking people down because they understand coverage. They understand their jobs. No one's out there wanting to ride ass open. They've done such a good job of that defensively. I'm I'm more confident defensively yes. that they can handle TCU than I am offensively that they can score enough points. Which is I, which is a weird mean? dichotomy because right. I like like a couple weeks ago I would have thought the opposite. Yeah, I think before the Ohio State game I would have thought the opposite going into this. Right, and I think now I'm like that defense, which is why like my final score is looking around somewhere like a 27-17 type yeah, game. I'm kind of right where, like, I, yes. think, I don't think they're going to be scoring a lot necessarily, no. but I don't think TCU is going to be scoring a lot yeah, either. I, I, I'm going to put this uh, out like A decent amount of field goals, I think, will add in. Yes, I, I, think there's, I think Michigan, they talk about it so much, it's the four-point play, right? Mm-hmm. And they did it against Ohio State. I think Michigan is perfectly content letting them run that clock out themselves and allowing them to get in field goal range and then going, no, and you get no further, right? Yeah. And Michigan's offense is good enough. It's explosive enough to score quickly when it wants to, right? They've shown the creativity that we've been looking for all year. Finally, in the last couple games, they've shown it. You know, the jump pass, the tight end. They've, they've done some things offensively with J.J., and I do think, and this is the scary part that's the scary optimist in me about Michigan in this, this time around is, you're seeing a quarterback every week get better. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing J.J. McCarthy start up here and progressively get worse, and you're like, maybe we're just hanging on here with this guy. 
it's like okay Hawaii and stuff yeah he's gonna look great but you started out at like a middling level where he's just taking care of the football now you're starting to see why the mobility makes sense why him rolling out of the pocket and making a 20-yard strike on the sidelines is the reason why Cade McNamara is in Iowa now and not starting for the Michigan Wolverines so lots of good stuff there I, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on the 27-17 I think that's a perfect like right on the nail mm-hmm. kind of score um I could see Michigan scoring early. I could see them holding a field goal. I just goal. think like I could see Michigan scoring a couple of field goals early yeah. and going up like 6-0 something. I'll and put it like, this way. Uh, if Michigan gets a 10-point lead, I think the game's over. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. I think I think that's I think at that point Michigan does such a good job maintaining. Mm-hmm. Where even okay, TCU goes on an eight-play drive for a touchdown to get it within 3 and then they go right down the field and they go kill it. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like but... I think they always kind of I think Michigan has the ability to strike back better than TCU does. Oh, 100%. You know what I, mean? I think TCU's yeah. going to have to play a turnover-free game for Michigan to lose this yep. game. Um, all right, so we got Michigan, Georgia. When is the national title game? Do we have a week in between that we can talk about this, or do we have to talk it's about like it now? The, it's the following Monday, right? It's the Yeah, so this game will happen on the 31st. Right. The national championship happens on the 9th. Okay. Okay, so we got some time then. Because then the NFL playoffs start the 16th Monday. Yeah, okay. So we'll talk about that probably next week then. Yeah, or two weeks from now. Two weeks from now, yeah. Somewhere along those lines. Somewhere at one point Let's or another. Because yep. they play on New Year's Eve, right? Co- the, yep. the Nash- College football national championship 2022. So New Year's Eve is a Saturday. So we can actually be talking about this on Sunday next year on New Year's Yeah, Day. we can either do it on the 1st or the 8th episode. Yeah. Because it doesn't really matter. Right. The 8th would be closer Right. And the episode would come out the morning that the game happens. Right. The preview mm-hmm. game. Actually, it'd probably be better. We should probably just do it on the 8th. Okay. We'll figure it out. Because <laughs> yeah. on the 1st, if we do, we could talk about the, this yeah, the game. Results, right? And then, but if we, if we get the, because then we'd have all the information. Like, yeah, the if spread. anyone gets hurt, at the, the final spread. Yeah. So we can do it on the 8th. So that ninth episode, make sure you listen right. to the morning. Before the game, first right. all that means nothing. <laughs> yeah, because if you listen on a Tuesday, you're like, "Well, we, we, may, saw we may do it twice. We may preview it on initial reactions based on how they play, and then break it down yeah. further." So we got lots of coverage coming your way. So as far as you guys are concerned, Georgia Michigan doesn't Michigan, make it. Then probably we might not, not talk about it at all. <laughs> so who knows? talk about how I'm upset. Um, yeah, for sure. We may actually we may hit some lions as well in the next couple of weeks as well, depending on depending on how that stuff works out. So we're not going to say too much more about that. But I digress. All right, Mike, let's get to let's get to a year in review. Mike, it's 2022 is wrapping up, right? This year has flown by in a lot of respects. Uh, you know, it's funny. You, you shake your head, but I think it's when you're in the middle of something. You don't it, like I feel like they're, when you're in the weeks, you're like, man, this is taking forever. Like mm-hmm. days are drive by. But then you all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, oh, it's, you know, we're three days from Christmas. And you yeah. go, holy crap. I will say December, December went by pretty quick. Yeah, last week for me did not, but outside of that, usually I usually like agree waiting with you. for Christmas. Yeah, that week before Christmas, like it's like a haul. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's the 22nd day. Yeah, and when it hits my birthday, my birthday's on the 12th. It's yeah. like we got two weeks. It really feels every bit of that two weeks. But we're here, end of the year, Mike. Um, let's jump into some MVPs, some some awards here. Okay. Uh, let's start in the wrestling realm, though. Let's okay. start here. We're gonna break it up between WWE and AEW. I think it's only fair. Okay. Um, can we count? Okay. Yeah. Can we either do a third for independence, or can we go AEW slash independence? We'll do a third one for non non mainstream yeah. wrestling. I think that's okay. fair. Because um, I have a couple from like yeah, absolutely maybe yeah. the Japan world right, or something yeah, that sure. I think are big name guys too. Oh, we got it. We want to highlight Will Ospreay. Jeez. Damn it! Why <laughs> did I have to say that? <laughs> read you like a book. Um, let's start with the big dog though. Let's start with WWE. Sure. Um, let's start on the women's side though. Okay. okay. We're only gonna do AEW okay. women. Okay. And men's. I'm gonna make one more commencement yeah. rule here. Yeah. Um, we will alternate takes on these. Okay. And we can't say the same person. Fair enough. Okay. If you take any of my people, no, you probably won't. You'll be fine. I was going to say, I don't think I'm going to take yeah, a lot of fine. what you would say. I got But you, no we have to come what. up with something yeah, different. Yeah, for sure. So it's not just like, we can't just go Roman Reigns for everything. This cause... is a moment for us to give some people, some athletes, their flowers a little bit here, you know, yes. uh, for their big 2022 20, year. So let's go ahead. Let's go woman, uh, re- uh, female wrestler of the year for WWE in 2022. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I wish I had a notepad. I want to write down your answer before you do it. Just <laughs> yeah. so I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I think it's Bianca Belair. Yeah, I agree with you. I was If I could have written it down, I would have had a sign. I don't – I, I mean, I think there's 
probably one or two other people in WWE mm-hmm. you could probably make a case for. Yeah. But I think overall, I think Bianca Belair is, I mean, last year she started taking the steps. Yeah. She's still like super ascending, but mm-hmm. she's probably yes. top three yeah pretty easily oh yeah in the wwe she's, right now she's she's there probably she's, top five she's in the, the world yeah but she's the bell cow right yeah, now. yeah she's she's sure. doing everything right now so it's probably her yeah um i'm gonna go with uh rhea ripley That's i know it's a little bit of an out of the box one i think for some people i know she didn't really hold any championships really throughout the yeah. majority of 2022 her last three four five six months or so has been phenomenal i know she hasn't wrestled a ton but from a character development standpoint, she makes the Judgment Day work. Yes. Just so we're clear. She is by far and away, in my mind, she should be the leader of the Judgment Day. She is the best character in the Judgment Day. She's the most over member of the Judgment Day. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love what Rhea Ripley's doing. She was super hot a couple years ago when she had that NXT run that you know led to that match against Charlotte and the COVID mania and then had a nice run as Raw Women's Champion that ended poorly because of bad booking. But she has really kind of turned a level for me in from her in-ring work to her character to her presentation. Everything that has gone on in this transformation, I think, is nothing but positive. Yeah. I expect a huge year for her to be – I expect her for her to be the world champion in 2023. Yeah, she may be by most – Underrated, yeah. In terms of if you ranked like yeah. one through a hundred or whatever, right. all well, the women hard, on the roster. Like, Becky was in and out. Bailey's just came back, right? But she yeah. hasn't really kind of like. If she would have won the title, mm-hmm. I would definitely have Bailey in that realm, right? Yeah. Charlotte's been out a good chunk of the year. Ronda sucks. Yeah. So yeah. from a WWE, Sasha's gone, right? Yeah. So from a WWE perspective, I was trying to find somebody outside of Bianca where I could go. I feel like she's really kind of taken her her creativity and her yeah. character to a level where you go. There's there's levels to this now, yeah. right? And I, and I, and I think a notable, um, ex, uh, yeah, a notable person that we should say, even though she's not technically there anymore, yeah. is Mandy Rose from the NXT yes. side. Yes, I think she had a great year. She was champion the entire great year, year and yes. doing great things over there. Right, so. for sure. Yep. Um, all right, let's go. Let's see. What do we got next? Uh, we'll let's do men's. Do men's. Yeah, let's men's. do men's WWE uh, Superstar of the Year. Okay, you go first because I went first last Okay, week. all right. Well, mine, mine's clear and obvious. It's Roman Reigns. It's not close. Um, uh, I really want people – we talk about this so much on the show, but I, I really want to kind of get this across to some. We talked – me and Mike talked off air. We were talking about some of the guys that we used to watch when we were kids and, you know, when, like, John Cena's coming back in a couple weeks, right, uh, for a big tag match with Roman. And we just talked about – we both kind of looked at each other and went, man, I miss John Cena. You miss John Cena. People are going to miss Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. He, he has ascended to that level. And I know the title run and everything else, that's been great. He's so good on so many levels. He was probably my MVP last year, rightfully so, Definitely more than likely. Was, yes. I, I don't know how you cannot look at him. And there's a couple other guys in the roster too that I'm sure Michael hit on in a second. But the title run, the character level – the ability to mix in the humor with the intensity, the presentation. I mean, they've they've elevated Sami Zayn to a main event guy again with this storyline. You're establishing Solo Sokoa, who I'm kind of meh on, but for all intents and purposes, as another guy that can step in, in in a main event level spot. You made the Usos individually singles guys. Like Jay Uso is a could be a single right now, and you've got the Usos now too. It's just. All that good stuff. I, I really – you haven't seen a run like this in such a long time. I really people – I really want people, as we – I'm assuming kind of come toward the tail end of it at the end for Mania here, really appreciate the fact of what Roman has done and the length and the longevity and the quality of the storyline as a whole that they've done over the last two, three years because it's something we're not going to see again for a very long time. So Roman Reigns is by far and away my MVP for WWE. Who you got? I am actually clustered between oh three people. Three? Oh, boy. Um, so I'm trying to, like, will down which one I think is okay. more. Okay. Remember, it's the totality of 2020. Yes, I would agree. That's why I'm kicking one person out because yeah. it's totality. You can just say it's Cody. It's okay. No, it's not Cody. Oh, it's not okay. No, he wasn't even in the three. Oh, actually. okay. Right. Um, here, I'll tell you my three. Okay. And then I'll say the one I think I'm going to go with. Okay. But you can disagree with me. So the three I have <laughs> okay. is either Rollins, yep. Walter, Ooh. or Sheamus. Ooh. 
all three good ones. And I can't. I think I'm leaning Rollins because I, I think every single thing that he did in 2022 was magic. awesome. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, starting from the Rumble, the match with Reigns, Literally. to the Cody rivalry, to doing the U.S. title stuff the now, r- the Riddle feud, the Riddle feud in the middle. Like I think everything he's done. Now Walter might have the highest ascend, yeah. being the IC champion and really just elevating that title to like a hundred. Yeah. And Sheamus has like three of the best matches he's ever had this year. Yeah. Purely. I would I would say Rollins. Well, I'd say Rollins. I would say Rollins wins out. I, if Rollins would have any time, if the titles weren't combined, Rollins would have been world champion. Well, easily. So, yes. and I think Rollins reinventing himself. Multiple times. Right? Yes. You know what I mean? Going from big heel to flamboyant heel to doing such good work as a heel, and now he's a baby face, and you go, holy, like, and he hasn't changed. Like, it's just been this metamorphosis of, like, this phoenix rising out of the ashes where yeah. you go, it's a whole new character from five years ago. Yeah. So I think him built his ability to kind of do that, elevate guys like Theory, elevating guys like uh, Riddle mm-hmm. to that main event level status by hanging, getting Cody ready, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, you just beat Rollins three straight times. You don't beat Seth Rollins three straight times. It does not happen. Yeah. And for him to maintain his level throughout those losses – Rollins has been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like heading Rollins, but that was like, oh, Walter's nope. been awesome, though. Walter's had a great year. I think Walter's 2023 is going to be huge, think, especially yeah. if, when he beats Brock. That's mm-hmm. going to be great. Sheamus, I think, is a byproduct of working with guys that are just as over, like working with Walter and yes. having a great match. Working with Roman and yes. having great stuff there and the feud with that. So while Sheamus, I think, is, I think Sheamus for you is like my – is like your Rhea Ripley for you where he's like – had a super underrated year that yes. I think more people should be talking about. Yes, I would 100%. 100%. Agree. All right, let's go AEW. Wait, wait, can, we, can we do yeah. match of the year? Sure. Yeah, do, you, yeah, do you have enough matches this year to think about these? Oh, boy. Because um, I have one. I mean, there's one that's like, I think, the most clear and obvious one in WWE. Yeah, go for it. I'll let you go for it. Yeah. And then there's a couple others I think I got, are honorable I got mentions. One in my mind that I don't think enough people are talking about. Okay. My, really my, I mean, I don't think it's really a question, clear mm-hmm. and obvious match of the year for WWE is Rollins, Cody, Hell in a Cell. Yeah, that was fantastic. I got two other o- ones. Only, be- would, yeah. only other because you have the torn peck thing. Yeah, it, phenomenal actually, story. I think it was the first time that Hell in a Cell legitimately felt like, yep. like oh, crap, this it is was, Hell in a Cell. It, I would say Because of the actual yeah. injury he had. It's like any move that he got hit with. Either the titles actually being unified with Brock and Roman at Mania, mm-hmm. Or that match were the two biggest moments, individual moments yes. for WWE in 2022. Yeah, outside of you know Vince retiring, yes, but like on television, level. right? That that is ginormous. I'm gonna give you two other ones that I think are a little bit kind of lower, but I think are more unlike the R realm mm-hmm. of. One would be Sheamus Walter for the Intercontinental Title. Mm-hmm. Um, at uh, what was it? Clash uh, of the Castle. Yes, Clash of the Castle, which is fantastic. I would say Drew and I was going to say, are you going to say that? Because no, that not. That, that's probably pay per view of the year. Yeah. Uh, yes, I would a thousand percent agree with you. I want to say WWE. the other one is is uh, the Usos versus Riddle and Orton for the unified tag titles to unify them on SmackDown. Yeah. I thought that match, like I said, very underrated. It, it was on a SmackDown, right? Because they didn't get it on pay per view. But I thought that match really kind of established where I was like, man, Riddle and Orton have really turned into a great tag team. It's the last time we've seen Orton because of the back injury. Um, and really, I think, put the Usos as, like, probably the greatest tag team ever. Yeah. Like, that was a moment where I went, I think they I think they kind of did it. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, Clash of the Castle, by far and away the best show, just for those two matches, the Intercontinental and yeah. the World title. Easily, I mean, I think, you, yeah, like, WWE-wise, not yes. even close. Yes, um, uh, I, sure. I think you can make maybe some arguments outside WWE, but even mm-hmm. then... It's like hard for sure. All right, let's go AEW here. Okay. Uh, female wrestler of the year. You want to take this one? Or you want me? To I think you one? should because uh, okay. we'll you invert. Flip on. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go with Jamie Hader. Um, <laughs> okay. On on mine. Um, just the rise of of the popularity for her. And here's why I think it's so special. And I think they just had a phenomenal match, by the way. Her and Sheeta did for yes, the title. Fantastic. Night. I think it's the best match Sheeta's had mm-hmm. in AEW as well. That's saying something. But the fact that Jamie Hayter was brought in to be a heater for Britt Baker and then through her own work with Britt has managed to ascend to the top of the division and be the women's world champion while Britt is still super over. It's not like Britt went away, but the fact that she was able to do it kind of in Brit's shadow and rise above that. How many times do you see that the Dana Brooke to Charlotte, right? Where you're like, 
well, we're using Charlotte to get Dana Brooke over, but it doesn't really work. I don't think ever the plan was Jamie Hayter to all of a sudden beat Tony Storm for the women's world title. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was the plan. I think that it organically happened where people were like, this chick's awesome. This chick puts on great matches. This chick is a tough son of a bitch. And now she's over at a level where you go, that's just another person now that we can throw into the mix, right? You've got the 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 Britt Bakers of the world. You've got the Sheetas. And now you've got something like Jamie Hayter, the Tony Storms, the whoever. It's all of a sudden you're like, damn, we got a pretty stacked division if we can get it, let them get over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that was definitely my number one. <laughs> uh, I can't even argue that. Um, I think the only other clear – person yeah. you can even name from the women's roster really yeah um is Britt baker herself yeah. Yeah. uh i mean she is the star of the division and she's the only one that if she's not the champion you see on tv so yeah. yep i would agree that's with that. you know i mean I think it, it's hard. there's not a lot of other people like tony storm won the title her reign was you know um, it was there thunder rosa you know, was off was tv fine. half the year yeah um they, uh, this jay cargill's been champion all year but her stuff has not been like i have yeah i am waiting for jay cargill in 2023 to take up her in-ring performance where you go and that's the moment yes right? so exactly, she yeah. has that and i think her and hater and i don't know what the plan is i'm, I'm just speculating but somebody like jamie hater who is a true technician and is has now established herself as a true women's world champion I think could take Jay Cargill to levels she's never seen. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited to see if that ever happens. So it'll be interesting. I won't be shocked to see her win the AEW world title yeah. this next year. Um, all right, men's, you get to go first on the men's side. Yeah. This is a this is a tough one. Men's this has is, been so, a weird year for AEW. So men's, men's is very difficult because I yeah. think if you go in the spurts of the year, yeah. there are a lot of guys in spurts. Yes. That have been awesome. Yes, I think the only guy, yep. which is probably like unfair to you, but you'll okay. probably you'll find somebody. <laughs> um, the only guy who consistently, from literally January third yep. yep. on Dynamite yep. to a full year, yep. is Moxley. Yeah, I think that is the only clear guy all yes. the way through. Because I would say, I mean, just to throw some names like MGF, yep. but he didn't have the summer. Yeah, you know, Punk also missed the summer time. and then didn't have the second half either. Right. Um. There's a lot of guys uh, that have, like, like Warlow was really hot for, like, five months of the year. Right. And then after that was like, eh, he's fine. Yeah. There's, like, a lot of guys like that who have, like, a good three, four months, but that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I think Moxie is the only one I can sit here and go, he had a solid 11 months. Yeah. And no one would really argue. Yeah. So, Moxley, world champion basically the entire year outside yeah. of, like, three weeks. Yeah, no, seriously. Like, legitimately. Like, he was world um, champion most of the time. Um, and Kerry had a skip vacation to come back to be world champion, just doing it all in every single big match He stepped possible. up. He, he, was the, he was the balancing force. When all the punk stuff happened and everything, he was the person yeah. they could turn to and go, we have a credible guy ready to go. Yeah, like, we can just give you the yes. title and you're And everyone run. believes it. And yes. everyone's, okay, that's fine. Yeah. So, um, Moxie. So can, I, can I go a little bit off the beaten path here on this one? Sure. Okay. I don't. In, in I think you're 100 percent right. By the way, if I had my choice, it would have been Moxley as well. Yeah, I, I don't think there. there's a lot of other yeah. options there. Um, I'm gonna go with instead. I'm going to say, um, this is tough because I think if you're talking about MVPs uh, of 2022, mm-hmm. right? I think there's two other acts that need to be mentioned, and I think it's FTR and the Acclaimed. So. So I would agree with the acclaim. Now, FTR, I would have brought up when we yes. do independence. Yeah. Because I think they were a lot more active on the independent scene. Right. In the Ring of Honor but and the New Japan world. Yeah. But the acclaim is another very good one. Yeah. For so the reason why I'm throwing FTR in there is because even though they didn't win the AEW tag titles, I thought they were heavily relied upon for Dynamites and, and, That's true. and, and Rampages to be like the main event, the draw yeah. for that show, right? Mm-hmm. While you were waiting for Punk to come back or whether you were – trying to establish a new world champion. The TNT title has not meant much, really, as of late, right? Um, You're establishing the All-Atlantic. You didn't really have another championship to kind of go into, right? So I felt like FTR early on, winning all these championships, right, winning the IWGP, winning, you know, the Ring of Honor stuff, and I really felt like they championed it. And then I think the second half of the year, man, there has not been a hotter act in AEW than the Acclaimed. No. And their ascension from where they were like mid card guys, right. They just put over the team. That's going to go challenge for the titles to now being the guys. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Yeah. Truly, truly phenomenal. It is one of Tony Khan's biggest success stories. And it's really not close. No, the acclaimed is 
definitely yeah. if you went first and picked Moxley, yeah. I probably would have went with the group of the acclaim because yeah. they're they're getting they are that team yeah. that maybe isn't the best. Te- and we've talked about this like yes. ad nauseum yeah. where there's a lot of teams in like WWE over the years mm-hmm. that like get like, like end zone casts of the yeah. world. They get a catchphrase over and feel like can literally get anything over that yeah. they want. Right. Uh, but aren't maybe the best in ring guys. But because sure. the second you hear that siren oh, yeah. and Max Caster's like yo, rap thing, right. yo, yeah. everyone yeah. gets up. Everyone has their yeah. giant scissors yep. things out mm-hmm. and they're just there. And yep. it's like a, great time every time a thousand percent so yes yeah. i was at the acclaim um i want to say low-key another one too uh, i didn't want it i just kind of wanted to go a little bit different i think jericho is, could yeah. also be in there just for the simple fact once again a guy who you can rely upon he's the rollins big, exactly of, in big me. moments where you go we need a star yeah. well jericho's here he's the hall of famer let's put jericho in right so I don't want people to overlook that because he's not going to be around forever. So to have a guy like Jericho that you can literally any point in time go, he can be the world champion, he can put somebody over, he can get whatever we need to, he can align himself with young guys and get them over. Whatever you need Jericho to do, he can do it. So I think that's and another. And he was Ring of Honor champion he was. on no, TV for, sure. yes, for a long absolutely. time. So, so he had, his dynamite, had some so. good runs. And I just think that he's a guy where you look back and you go, man, remember when Jericho was doing the Ocho thing? That was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, man, he was a pain maker. Man, that was pretty sweet. Man, he did the wild heart. He did the, you know, Lionheart stuff. He did, you know, he's this guy, that guy. You just, there's so many different faces. They talk about the face of Foley. The face of Jericho is like 12 deep now. It's yeah. just ridiculous. So shout out to Jericho. All right, you want to go independent. I'll let you go first here. On the, oh, you don't uh, want to go match? Oh, yeah, let's do match. I'm sorry. I completely apologize. You can go match, though. Okay. I, I yeah. My, my. I think I think it's maybe not clear because AEW you can put on just some bangers on random nights so you just kind of forget about. Yeah. I think on pay per view the one I think about the most. Yeah. Is at Revolution. Yeah. Yep. Dog collar match. Yep. Punk and MJF. MJF. Yep. I think it's probably the best match of the year for yeah. AEW. I don't. I don't really know if I have. I would say I would say a close second to me personally, mm-hmm. and this is. I would never have said this in the beginning of the year, so this the is wild. The acclaimed and serving are going. Oh, I, was, wow. I had that one in the back of my mind, and then I also just had recently this six man tag between Death Triangle at the pay per view. At the pay per view, yeah. Thought that was with them coming back, everyone thinking they're going to go one way, mm-hmm. and then they kind Swirled of rolled around. Bit. I thought that was really nice as well. Um, yeah, I would, but I think the, the the story, the amount of effort put into it, right now, I think we can if we want to. If I'm going to be negative for just a second here, it should have been Moxley Punk title versus title, if everything didn't happen. That yeah. should now. Have here's been. the thing: is would that match have been right? A, because we don't think of that right. all-out match to be very great no. anyway. So that no. match might not even like right. in terms of moment. That probably yeah. would have been the biggest moment right. of the year yeah. for AEW. Mm-hmm. But in terms of a match, I don't think that would crap the top five. No, anyway. No. Yeah. So. Biggest moment is the backstage brawl between <laughs> <laughs> WWE lost Vince McMahon, uh, AEW lost Punk, and the and the Elite for a couple months. <laughs> yeah, that was that stuff with the biggest news. All right, let's go independent here. Um, this is gonna be a rough one. I I've got a guy, so but you <laughs> can go I'm, ahead. I'm glad you have a guy. Uh, I don't think I have a. I don't think I have a chick though. I'm uh, I might, but no, I'm gonna be like really, but it's fine. Sure. I don't think I, I don't know if I have a woman either. Okay, just actually. let's go. Let's go, man. We'll be sexist. I got I got a chick I can pull out though. Uh, I think uh, I don't think it's very close. Okay. Actually, you could probably make the arguments close, but mm-hmm. I think Will Ospreay is the star of the indie scene. Yep. I think he's had the most matches of anyone this mm-hmm. year. Um, he worked the G One. He worked New New Japan Cup. He's worked every cup you can do in New Japan. Mm-hmm. Plus, going to Rev Pro, he had. A bang over match with Michael Oko at the beginning of this yeah, year Rev at, at yeah. RevPro. Yeah. He had a great one against Ricky Knight Jr. Yes, too. Yeah. Had, yeah. That that Michael Oko match I watch like once a week. <laughs> it is so funny to watch. Yeah. Um, and then the Ricky Knight one's awesome. He's just like literally you you sit him like if you say Osprey verse I'm like nah. Well, he had a great match with Ishii right. two weeks ago. Right. It's just one of those guys in the independent scene that's just like he's just. Everything he does right now, he's just touching gold. Yeah, and he's probably going to be up for a match of the year next year, four days in. Yeah, so thousand percent. Uh, for me, I'm going to go Matt Cardona. Um, that's very indie. Yeah, I mean, yes. literally though. Literally, um, you know, you win the NWA title, right? Um, you, I mean, you everywhere you touch, basically, you win the world title for that promotion, right? Oh, he like had, he had like eight titles at one point, right? Yeah. AIW, he was. Uh, uh, 
GCW champion for a hot second there. I mean, just so many things. Was that GCW show where he won the title? Was that this year or was that last year? La- no, that was last year. That was, that was just year. saying. But, like, yeah, he, yeah. like, he was on no, no, a run. No. Right? I was just thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, See, yeah, I no. was like, man, that was this year. That no, was awesome. No. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, I do think that, once again, for me, it goes back to uh, talking about a guy who can go out there. He did it, you know, a la Cody, right, when he left WWE. And he just went, I'm going to work everywhere. I'm going to work everywhere, and I'm going to get over, and I'm going to establish myself as a guy, as, like, a legit money-drawing talent. And that's what Matt Cardone has done. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but even now, the only reason why I paid attention to anything NWA-related was because, A, he won the title, and I was like, sweet. And then he was he had to vacate it, and then he was going to try to win it back. I am not interested in Tyrus or Trevor Murdoch or... Honestly, a lot of it, Nick Aldis, right? Like, there's just certain guys that you just... Yeah, I think Nick Aldis has lost his, like... Well, he's gone flair. out of the NWA anyway. Well, know, so, yeah, like, exactly. He so had that flair for, like, a yeah. little bit of time, but it's not... But right. talking about a guy who can get heat anywhere and can really just put himself in a position, whether it's AEW, I think he's going to wind up back in WWE. I think it'd be a smart move for them to kind of capitalize on that. Um, I think Chelsea's already going back based on the fact she already shut down her OnlyFans, so... There's some note there, but uh, it's, you know, it is what it is, but all things considered, right? I I just think that he's really kind of took his game to another level. I'm sure I talked about him last year too, because he was probably in the midst of that run, but coming off the injury, I just think he's, I think he's just had a phenomenal, really just a phenomenal year, all things considered. Um, All right. Let's talk about uh, some non wrestling related stuff. Um, Mike, do you have, as we kind of wrap down the show here, do you have a guy or two or four or whatever, or maybe it's a team? What, you yes. know, let's start with just like your MVP of the core four, right? Do you have a guy, um, I guess, or lady, if you're watching a lot of WNBA or something, I don't know, but um, that you just point to where you went 2022, like, damn. Um, do I have one? It could be a team. Yeah, it could be I'm a team. thinking. Yeah. I think one guy who has really elevated himself, yeah, who is weirdly enough, I feel like didn't really need to elevate himself, but kind of also did at the same time, yeah. And I think is he. This is probably his best year in a long time, yeah. And will continue to have great years. Joe Burrow. Okay. I, I think interesting. That's an interesting one. Joe yeah. Burrow is the only person. Now we're gonna put this on the Patrick Mahomes scale here. He's <laughs> the only one to beat Patrick Mahomes the first three times, and he's undefeated against him. Mm-hmm. He beat him three times this year. Two of them were in Kansas City. Right. And got to a Super Bowl. And he got to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And he's just that one guy. Right now, I guess you could say outside of Mahomes, where if you're down points mm-hmm. or you need something, yeah. he just goes. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Really, he is so up where he is so off. calm under pressure. Mm-hmm. It's it's really like we like Joe Montana was like Joe Cool. Yeah, like he's, he's the, the second cool? coming of Joe Cool. Right, because he yeah. is like there's yeah. nothing that phases that guy. Yeah, and him and Jamar Chase together. Yeah. it's like you need a first down. Mm-hmm. I don't think I trust any quarterback receiver combo yeah. outside of maybe Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. to pick up a first down. Yeah. other than Joe and Jamar Chase. Yeah, they were just so good together. For so sure. that's probably. Probably your guy. Probably the guy. I'd go okay, with, I so I got I got a kind of a twofer because the, there's one guy I want to highlight, but in the last six months it hasn't been great for him because he's been injured. But I do think <laughs> it's at least worth noting because we didn't get to talk about him last year, right? Because yeah. we didn't really know, right? But I do think it's Matthew Stafford. Yeah. For for no other reason than making the trade worth it. Yeah. Going to L. A. Winning a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, this year everything fell apart. He's hurt. Cooper Cup. Everyone's dead, right? So it's like yeah. it is what it is. But to go there. And have the narrative that you couldn't win the big game. Mm. You couldn't beat good teams. Couldn't beat good teams on the road. Couldn't beat good quarterback. All the narratives. And you go in. You win your division. He did only win one road game in that playoff series. But he but beat, he he, but he beat, he beat Brady. He did beat he Brady. He beat Brady. Right? So it's like, okay, you, you go in, right? You win the division your first year out, right? You throw 41 touchdown passes. Should have been a Pro Bowler. Don't know how you weren't. It's fine. No one cares about Pro Bowl. I know. I'm just being salty to be salty about it but it's fine um you you know you win your division you beat a, a good arizona team right you go on the road you beat tom brady you come back you beat san francisco who you weren't able to beat all year for some weird reason right and then you go in and you finish it off game winning drive back to back to back weeks and you win your first super bowl in your first season 
in LA. You know what I mean? And you and it's and they didn't win it because of you, or they didn't win it with you. They they won it in part because of you, mm-hmm. right? To do that and to really kind of, in my opinion, kind of stamp yourself into the Hall of Fame at this point, because he's going to have all the records, probably assuming he doesn't die next mm-hmm. season. He's going to have every record there's probably going to have in, in, in a short amount of time. He'll probably have most passing yards. He'll have most attempts in probably the shortest amount of time. He's already got 50,000 or whatever he's got. So there's a lot of things that he's going to be able to hang his hat on at the end of, the, at the end of his time that mm-hmm. he's done. Um, the other person I want to highlight, though, at least locally – for me at least, locally, is Brad Holmes. And here's why. We can talk about some of the NBA guys and stuff like that, but, like, okay, Giannis is awesome. Like, we got it, right? Like, he's cool. Like, there's not there's not that guy for me in the NBA or in baseball who, like, took their game to, like, a whole, like, out of the stratosphere level for me, right? Hockey, kind of same thing. It was like, okay, like, Colorado's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of knew that. There's, like, 12 guys deep. But for for this city, for Brad Holmes to be two drafts in, and and it's nice to be able to say this now as they're seven and seven and not one and six, but to be able to kind of see the fruits of the labor that Brad Holmes is kind of yielding over his first two drafts, I don't think can be understated. I think he should firmly be in the conversation for executive of the year. I think he should be firmly in the in the eyes of a lot of people as a guy who can who can basically find talent at every part of the draft. First, fifth, sixth, seventh round, it does not matter. They're finding contributors. Um, and I think that's huge. You know, it's yet to be seen if they make the playoffs or not, but the fact that we're talking about playoffs in December of 2022 coming off of a 3-13 and 1 season, phenomenal. It is truly utterly phenomenal. So I want to give Brad Holmes a hell of a lot of flowers. Um, you got anybody else really that kind of had like a a big big year for for whatever reason? Like it's hard because Mahomes has done it enough, right? Mm-hmm. Rodgers has got the MVPs. Brady's Brady. Um, you know, certain guy like Cal McCarr, I could definitely put up there, right? The defense from Colorado, he's fantastic. But mm-hmm. when you've got McKinnon and all these other dudes, it's like yeah, the Avalanche as a whole. You know, I would say the only guy to me personally that did anything that I was like actually impressed yeah. by was Luca making it to the Western Conference Finals. And yeah, I say Luca basically by himself. I, I don't say Dallas Mavericks. Right. I say Luca did that right. because the team is pretty doggy doo doo. Yeah. Um but him, you know, they beat the uh mm-hmm. that one team, the Utah Jazz in the first sure. <laughs> one team. Whoever they played. I remember the the Phoenix series was the one that got me pretty going because they go down three two. Devin yeah. Booker's like making fun of him because He's like, how oh, you flop a lot and you talk crap a lot, yeah. but you don't back it up. Yeah. And then he only continues to have like two 50 point games in eliminating them. Yeah. And having, they played the absolute worst mm-hmm. game seven I've ever seen Phoenix play in my lifetime. Like, they did not show up for that game at all, which right. is really funny. Um, and then losing to the Warriors, who end up winning the title, is, you know, but getting to that Western Conference final at some, such a young age, yeah. I think is like super impressive because there's not a lot of. 23 year olds or 22 year olds at the time willing uh, their team like willing that. their yeah. team to do that like i don't expect i don't, like i think it'd be unfair to be like yeah so kate cunningham next year should yeah. be in the uh, easter conference final because right. he's gonna be 22 next year right it's like no that's not the expectation for 98 percent of players only for yeah. i guess lebron and luca to mm-hmm. do it so for sure absolutely any other moments or anything you want to highlight before we wrap this down Probably the last show of 2020. Actually, going to be the last show yeah, of 2022. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Um, let's see. Anything fun that happened? Is there any? Is there anything you're going to be like? I remember that, like, or like I'm going to remember that moment for a really long. Like for me, it's the Stafford thing, right? Yeah. Because I was so invested, I was nervous all the way through, and the fact that a guy that I feel like I have supported my his entire career and he did it, I was like, like, like I knew it. It was a vindication thing mm-hmm. for me. Like it's like if LeBron won his first. NBA title, be like, I told you, like I knew it was going to happen. Yes, I think I think the two that stand out is probably watching the best playoff game, football playoff game in probably like twelve oh my years. Gosh, yeah, that, that was Bills a great Buffalo Chiefs game. Like I don't, I, I don't think I'll ever forget like sitting in my room, yeah. texting Kyle and going, "Dude, the Chiefs just scored again. The Bills yeah. just scored. Again. The Chiefs just scored again." Right. And it was just nonstop. It yeah. was, it was like literally like. Time stopped for like thirty minutes watching that game. Going, yes. I have no idea what's going to happen. Agreed. So I yeah. would say that moment was absolutely insanity. Mm-hmm. And then 
uh, as we just literally just brought up, but like that game seven against the Suns going in like like Maverick Suns, yeah. and I was like, man, if they beat this team after all the crap that Phoenix was talking, it'd be wild. Yeah. And then it wasn't even competitive. Yeah. Like I was, I turned off at like the middle of the third quarter. They were yeah. winning by forty two points, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, dog, they just they just walked over this team like it was nothing. So those two, like I'll, I'll remember sitting there for those two games, going, that's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good times for sure. All right, guys, that's going to be it. Last episode of 2022, another year of the I'm Always Right Sports podcast in the books. Next week, we're talking the fallout from the college football playoff. Might be previewing it just a little bit. Might be talking some Lions, maybe not, depending on how things go. I don't know yeah, yet. Do they win back-to-back games to talk about? Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Prayers. Prayers up. Prayers up. That's going to be Fins it. Fins up, baby. <laughs> that's going to be it for this week's show, guys. On behalf of the Missing Whale Man, he's the Merck, so I'm Mike Merkel. I'm the Mouth Mission, Robin Dyke. Have a great holiday season. We will see you guys, as always, next year.